Wow, you would not believe some of the crazy things that people would do for money. Uh, we did a fact check on that video, and all of those, uh, all, everything that you saw is actual. I mean, there, there are things, crazy things people will do for money. We're going to be looking at a guy in the Bible. We're continuing where we left off last week in Acts chapter 8 in our study in the book of Acts. Matter of fact, we have this weekend and next weekend, and then we're going to be done with the book of Acts until next year. Uh, every year, after, right after Easter or thereabouts, we go back to do our chapter by chapter, verse by verse study in the book of Acts. So uh, we got two weeks left. We're going to finish out Acts chapter 8. So we will have gone through 6, 7, and 8, chapter 6, 7, and 8. Last weekend, we talked about a guy by the name of Simon and how Simon was in Samaria and he thought he was this great person and he actually cast a spell over the majority of people that were living in Samaria. Uh, he practiced sorcery and we talked about that uh, last weekend if you were with us. And so in the story that we're going to look at today in our, in our study, he actually offers Peter, of all people, Peter, money to have the same power that he saw that Peter and John had. So, uh, one verse of Scripture to initially open up the message, Acts chapter 8, verse 13, and it says this, then, this is off a little bit, I'm sorry, I'm OCD, and this I don't know, seems far away. Okay, it says, then Simon himself believed and was baptized. So Simon becomes a believer. Yay. Yay for Simon. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles that Philip performed. I want to welcome those that are watching live, video streaming, those that are in our chapel venue. Uh, Simon, the Bible very clearly tells us here, became a believer and was baptized. The title of my message today is Priceless. Priceless. And, and the big takeaway from the message uh, this weekend in all of our services is this. God's blessings are bestowed, not bought. I'll say that again. God's blessings are bestowed, not bought. You can't work for them. You can't earn them. You can't pay for them. God's gifts are priceless. The gift of his son Jesus was priceless. How do you put a price on the soul of a human being? Jesus said, what profits a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? You can't put a price tag on a human life, the value of a human life. Uh, how much did your salvation cost you? How much did my salvation cost me? Nothing. But it cost heaven everything. During communion, we, we take the cracker that represents the body of Jesus. We take the juice that represents the blood of Jesus, and we, we reflect as Christ's followers. We reflect and we remember his death. He wanted us to remember his death. He wanted us to remember the price that he paid willingly for you and me. What did it cost him? His body broken, his blood shed, his life lost, so that you and I could have this wonderful gift of salvation so that you and I could spend eternity in heaven with all of our loved ones who have gone on before us. Can we thank God for that amazing promise? Now, we read verse 13, but then we go to verse 14 here in a moment, and it's as though the scripture shifts gears. And, and it's though the story kind of goes in a whole different direction. And then it goes back to Simon. So we're going to take a break away from Simon and then we're going to follow, uh, as the Holy Spirit inspired Dr. Luke to write the book of Acts, we're going to follow the story as he begins to describe it to us. So we're going to go to verse 14 through verse 17, and it says this. When the apostles in Jerusalem 
heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Stop there for a moment. Here's what's happening. Remember Philip? Philip was a deacon. He becomes an evangelist. He goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered from demonic power. Evil spirits are coming out of people. Remember, we looked at that last weekend, if you were here. Uh, People were getting healed. A a, a great revival in Samaria. Great joy, the Bible says. Great joy came to the city of Samaria. Well, that was Philip's job because Philip was an evangelist. Now, there are about 26 gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in the New Testament. 26 of them. Uh, They're mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. They're mentioned in, in Romans chapter 12. They're mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and other places. About 26 gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are the top five gifts of the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ are listed in Ephesians chapter 4. It says this, He, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Those that are on the, of the highest order, they're top of the food chain of the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ are apostles. You can't get any more powerful than an apostle. You can't get any higher than an apostle. Then you have prophets, then you have evangelists, then you have lowly pastors and teachers. But that's okay. I like being, at least I'm in there, amen. So, so when the people, when, when, the, when, the, when the big shots, these spiritual leaders in, in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the message of Jesus, what did they do? They sent, they sent the apostles there. They sent Peter and John to go to Jerusalem, and they had a special part. See, the evangelist gets people saved, but then the apostles come in, or the pastors come in, and they teach them, and they help them take that next step in their spiritual journey, right? First step in everyone's spiritual journey is surrendering your life to Jesus. But then there's a next step. And so the people in Samaria are saved. Now they're going to get this next step. And what's that next step? Go to verse 15. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Did you see that? How many know when you come to church, you should study the Bible? I mean, know that if you're going to a church and they don't study the Bible, you're in trouble, okay? Uh, don't, don't walk from that church, run from that church. So we come to church to study Scripture, to say, God, what are you saying through Scripture? And here's what you need to understand, verse 15, as soon as Peter and John arrived, they prayed for these new believers. So who were these people? New believers. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a new believer? You're a baby Christian. What does it mean to be a believer? It means that if you died... The very next moment, God forbid, but if you died the very next moment, you go straight to heaven to be with Jesus. It means if Jesus returns right after you give your life to Christ, if Jesus returns, because he's returning, if he returned right after you gave your life to Jesus, that means you're going to go with him to glory, okay? Because you're saved. Signed, sealed, delivered, you're saved, okay? But these people were new believers, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. Now, some of you were raised in a denomination, in a church, in a particular religion, and you've heard some really bad doctrine. I'm sorry, but you have. And the bad doctrine is this, that when you get saved, you get it all. Well, when you get saved, you do get it all. But there's the next step of our spiritual development and growth, and it's the receiving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, Pastor Carl, you know, my pastor, my priest, or my minister, or my Bible teacher, you know, my church I grew up, they said that when you get saved, you get it all. Apparently not. Now, When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. But after salvation, there's what's talked about six, seven times in the New Testament. This term is used, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, what in the world is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's a, a subsequent work of God in our life that happens after we get saved. That's the way it happened in the book of Acts. You'll see it. Acts chapter 2, you, you had all the disciples and followers of Christ during his lifetime. Many of them witnessed his death. You following me? You following me? He dies, buried. Third day, he was raised from the dead. They see him. They receive him. They believe in him. Some even touched the scars in his side, as Thomas did, was invited to do that because he said he wouldn't believe unless he saw. And they were born again. On one occasion in John chapter 21, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So they were saved. Holy Spirit was living in them. But yet he still told them, now go to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit. Because he said, not many days hence, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5. You will be baptized. And what happened in Acts chapter 2, 120 believers in the upper room waiting, waiting, waiting. Boom! Wind, fire, tongues of fire. The, the day of Pentecost. And these believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Now, this begins to reoccur throughout the book of Acts. Okay? Uh, and, and, and what re reoccurs after the book of Acts, people would get saved, and then they would receive the, the Holy Spirit. They would get saved, and then they would receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happening here. As soon as they arrived, Peter and John, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Next verse. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now stop there. The Holy Spirit. Let's all say his name together, the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit is a person? He's one of the members of the divine Godhead, of the Holy Trinity. As Christians, we don't believe in many gods. That's, that's polytheism. That's paganism. We believe in one God manifest in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's a person. Now, the Father was kind of like the main member of the Trinity talked about in the Old Testament. The Son, of course, was the main character talked about in the Gospels, right? And he was a part of the Old Testament also. Um, but in the book of Acts, the, the main member of the Godhead that has expression is the Holy Spirit. And, he, and, and, and it's because Jesus said, I'm going to the Father, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the promise of the Father, the comfort of the Holy Spirit. So now the Holy Spirit is, is amongst us ever since the day of Pentecost up until this present point, this present time in history. And he's, he's wonderful. And the Holy Spirit is uh, our comforter. And the Holy Spirit, we can experience his baptism. Now in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people for certain times. He'd come upon a king, then he would be lifted off the king. He'd come upon a prophet, then he'd be lifted off the prophet. He would come upon certain people for a certain time, come upon a priest, and then he would be lifted from the priest. But God promised in the, through the prophet Joel that in the last days God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh, not just kings, not just priests, not just prophets, but on our sons and on our daughters, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And the fulfillment of that was the book of Acts. And aren't you glad now we can all experience the Holy Spirit's blessing in our lives? And so don't you know the Samaritans were thrilled about this? So the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? They got born again, and then they got water baptized. See, the first step you take in your spiritual journey is you give your life to Jesus. You're born again. The second step is you're water baptized. 
Water baptism doesn't save you. Faith alone in Christ alone saves you. But it's a command in Scripture. It's how we make a public profession of our faith in Christ. And we end every service here at Trinity talking about that because we want to help you take that next step. But there's another step, and that's receiving the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers. They were, they were so more than once, the Bible's qualifying, they were believers, and they, read this last part out loud with me, and they received the Holy Spirit. Say it again. And they received the Holy Spirit. God wants all of us to receive the Holy Spirit. So here's, here's what I did. Uh, I only have like 15 minutes left, and you know, we only have like 35 minutes in our services. So I put together a Bible study. Uh, I think 11 or 12 pages of personal notes on how to receive the Holy Spirit. You can access those notes online, trinitytoday.com, or download the Trinity app and go to the sermons tab, and those notes are there for you. Or you can go to the, uh, the uh, YouVersion Bible app, and they're on the live event in the YouVersion Bible app right now, but they won't stay there very long, and then you can email them to yourself. So three ways. You say, Pastor Carl, do you have a hard copy of these? No, I'm sorry, I don't. Because they're like 12 pages, and we just weren't going to make thousands and thousands of, because, of, you know, we're like we're in the 21st century. I mean, no offense, but. So here's the deal. Uh, I'm unplugged. You're probably smarter than the rest of us. Good for you. I have no, no, no internet stuff, no Wi-Fi stuff. That, maybe that's probably the best thing, but you know somebody that does. So go to them and have them print those out there for you. Amen. Okay? But here's what I, I want you to have these notes, but they're my notes, so, so don't make a book out of them and then sell them and make money off that. I'll call you Simon if you do that, okay? <laughs> but I want, I want you to study. See, I want to build your faith. See, there are three types of people here. Those who are ready to receive the Holy Spirit. So at the end of service today, when we have our prayer team members up here, we're going to invite those of you that are ready and want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come to the front, and we're going to pray for you. There are those that are ready. There are those that are not ready. That's okay. That's cool. That's cool. We want to help get you ready. So we want to, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We want you to study to show yourself approved unto God, or work with these not to be shamed, or hotly dividing the Word of truth. So we want you to study the Scripture. Don't take my word for it. You go to the Scripture for yourself and study. Okay? So those that are ready, those that are not ready, and those that will not want to get ready. And so we want to help those of you that want to get ready. In September, we're going to have another class on the Holy Spirit because we want you to be well-informed biblically. We want you to base your faith not on what the church teaches, not on what your favorite preacher teaches, not on what your denomination teaches. We want your faith to be based on what God's Word teaches, all right? What is it? And you can read it for yourself, and you can study it for yourself. Amen. All right, that's what you need to know. There, there are different manifestations of the Holy Spirit, okay? So on the day of Pentecost, what were the manifestations or evidence that the Holy Spirit appeared? What were they? Wind, fire, and tongues, praying in other tongues. Here's what's interesting. Every other time the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts, only one of those three manifestations occur again. Two of the three never happen again. Every other time the Holy Spirit shows up, there's at least one of the three manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and that is praying in a heavenly language. The wind and fire didn't always happen. It only happened once. But this glossolalia phenomenon, as it's called in theological circles, glossolalia phenomenon, speaking in other tongues, praying in a heavenly language, is mentioned throughout the Bible and throughout the book of Acts. That's what these Samaritan new believers we're experiencing. All right, now let's go to verse 18. 
When Simon, back to Simon now, when Simon saw, let's all say that, when Simon saw, say it ten times really fast. No, just kidding. Now we play a game called Simon Says. <laughs> Simon Says, right? Okay. This is not Simon Said. This is Simon Saw. When he saw that the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. Stop there. Now, my question is, what did he see? Did he see mist come down from heaven? No, that's not in the Bible. Did he see a cloud overshadow them? No, that, that did happen in the Old Testament, the cloud of glory, but no. I don't think so, because the Bible would have mentioned. Did he see wind? Uh, uh, well, you can't, you can't really see wind, but you see the effects of wind. Did he see fire? I don't think so. What did he see? I believe he saw the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that occurs in Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 2, was this praying in a heavenly language. And he said, whoa, this is real. And he, he, he offered to buy it. Are you kidding me? There, there are some things money can't buy. right? You can't buy God's power. You can't buy God's blessings. You can't buy God's gifts. They are bestowed. They're not bought. So how many know he said it to the wrong person? He said it to Peter. How many know Peter never had a problem saying what was on his mind, right, wrong, or otherwise? Are you with me? We can all identify with Peter. Uh, there were times in the Gospels that, that Peter always would put his foot in his mouth. Uh, but you, you got to love Peter, right? So if he would have said this to John, John is known as the apostle of love in the Bible. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. He's known as the apostle of love. He calls himself uh, the, the, the one whom the, the Lord loved. So he actually named himself that. How, how, how many know what Peter's moniker was? Peter was called the rock, right? Not, not like rock, paper, scissors. Not the paper, you know, blows in the wind. No, the rock. And so he was like rock solid. Actually, John's nickname, his moniker. I mean, no fighters have nicknames, you know, like Iron Mike Tyson or Roberto Duran, Hands of Stone, right? Or Evander, the real deal, Holyfield. So Peter's moniker was Peter the Rock. You know what John's was? Son of Thunder. I mean, no, I mean we need some more Rock and Thunder men in the body of Christ. Are you with me? Some more Rock and Thunder men in Jesus' name. Okay. So he said this. He says this to Peter. Now, notice what Peter says, verse 19. He goes on to say, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh, get ready, verse 20. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking that God's gift can be bought. Whoa. Now, there's some crazy things people do for money. You saw the video that we opened up the sermon with. Did you know that 6% of people would commit murder for $1 billion? Do you know 10% would either would enter into a sham marriage for $100,000? 15% fake their own death for $100 million. The things, crazy things people would do for money, the horrible things. 25% would donate sperm or eggs without their partner's knowledge for $100 million. 10% would commit treason for $1 billion or just get elected to office. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Listen, with money you can buy a house but not a home. With money you can buy a clock but not time. With money you can buy a bed but not sleep. With money you can buy a book but not knowledge. With money you can buy a doctor but not good health. With money you can buy a position but not respect. With money you can buy blood but not life. With money you can buy sex but not love. There are some things money can't buy. 
So there's this prophet in the Old Testament, his name's Isaiah, and, and I'm not making this up, I don't have the scripture for you, but it's Isaiah 55.1. You can look it up for yourself, out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And Isaiah 55.1, Isaiah was really in the groove when he wrote this chapter. Because here's how he begins the chapter. Here's how he begins Isaiah 55.1. He says this, Ho! I'm not making it up. Let's all say that together. Ho! Oh, you guys can do better than that. Come on, one more time. Ho! He said what he said. Ho! He says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk. That's a weird combination. You go to a restaurant and say, would you like to drink some wine and milk, please? It's biblical. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Without, oh, I've got so much to share with you today, so little time to share it. Uh, some, pastor, some pastor friends and I were invited to a very wealthy person's home here in Lubbock. Very, very wealthy person's home. It was very kind, very hospitable of him. And he invited us to go over to his house to watch uh, the, the UFC card 200. Beautiful, beautiful home. He has his own wine cellar. He took us down the stairs to his wine cellar. It, it, like uh, stone, imported stone is what it's made. 55 degrees in there, 64% uh, humidity. I wanted to live down there in the wine cellar. It was like perfect for me. <laughs> My wife only lets me keep our, our house at 72 degrees, and she, she's freezing at 72 degrees. Uh, my sons and I are barely making it at 70. Anyway. <laughs> so go down the wine cellar. He's got wine imported from all over, all over. I, I like thousands and thousands of dollars in wine. And he looked at me and my, some of my pastors, and he said, do you all drink? And I was hoping they said no. And they were silent. They were smart. I said, well, no. But if you bring out some bread, we will have communion. Amen. <laughs> I mean, how many times in your life you're offered like $800 wine? But uh, out of bread. Anyway. Some things money can't buy, right? So this, Simon wanted to buy, buy the Holy Spirit with money. So I, I just want you to know how hot under the collar Peter got. Look at verse 20. I want to read the same. I want to go to two different translations, the same verse, Acts 8.20 out of two different translations. Here's the next one. Look at this, the Century English Version. Peter said to him, you and your money will, be, will both end up in hell if you think you can buy God's gift. Whew. Tell us how you really feel, Peter. All right. One more time, one more, one more different translation, uh, the Good News Testament. But Peter answered him, may you and your money go to hell. We're using this term in a theological sense. For, you, for thinking that you can buy God's gift with money. How dare you? You could say, and I'm using this in a theological sense, you could say Simon made one hell of an offer. I'm just saying, in a biblical sense, Right? but it almost cost him. There's what's called simony. Simony comes from the word, from the name Simon, from this guy. What is simony? It's the sin of buying or selling ecclesiastic preferment. You know, during the dark ages, the church said, if you give us money, we'll help get your loved one out of purgatory. Nothing could be further from the truth. It was heretical. That's basically what helped start the Protestant movement, selling ecclesiastical preferment. But we see that today. We see people today trying to muscle their way in or get their way in a church by offering money. Now, money's not evil. The love of money is evil. And the misuse of money is really evil. Okay? Really evil. We even see, not all, we even see some TV preachers, right, 
Send us your offering and we'll send you this miraculous prayer cloth. The selling of ecclesiastical preferment is offensive to God. Now, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know Peter was laying it on Simon because he needed it. How many know sometimes people deserve it? And you got to give it to them both barrels. You know what I'm talking about? Not all the time, but sometimes. How many know sometimes you need it? Are you with me? Okay, so here it goes. Verse 21 now, back to the story. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Now stop there for a second. Now, the average Christian today, oh, Peter, that's not nice. You can't say that. You're judging him. You don't know what's in his heart. Only God can see his heart. How dare you say that, Peter? He's like, shut up. You're next. (laughs) This is Peter. He's an apostle. This is Peter. He's a man of God. This is Peter giving Simon what he needs. Sometimes God doesn't give us what we deserve. Praise God, that's mercy. But out of his love, sometimes he gives us what we need. All right? All right, so let's continue. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you of your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. As I was writing this sermon, these words came to my heart. I, had, I don't recall ever hearing them any other place. These words came to my heart. I believe they came from the Holy Spirit. The cult of kindness is killing us in America today. The cult of kindness is killing us. And then I Googled it and found out there are others that have written about it. I'm like, oh, great. But it did come first to me in my thoughts. The cult of niceness is, how, how, how many of you know that sometimes to really be loving to somebody, it doesn't seem like you're being very nice to them? The cult of niceness is killing us. How many know the Bible is not a very nice book at times? I don't know if you've ever read it. I've read it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. I've read this book over the last 30 years. And I'm here to tell you, There are some passages, chapters, and stories in the Bible that are flat out not very nice. I mean, the Bible is a glorious book. The Bible is a perfect book. The Bible is divinely inspired. There's not one error. There's not one mistake. It's the greatest book that's ever been written. It is a supernatural book of supernatural origin, but it's not always the nicest book for you to read. I know sometimes God needs to get in the face of his people. And sometimes God, by his Holy Spirit, needs to tell us like it is. How do you know sometimes it has to hurt before it can heal? Sometimes it has to hurt before it can heal. You go to a doc- I went to a doctor one time. I had an injury. He's like, where? I go, right here. And then he goes, like, right there? I'm, yeah! He goes, does that hurt? Yeah! How do you know he was doing that out of love, though? I think so. <laughs> sometimes it has to hurt. Before it can heal. uh, Nice has become the enemy of truth. Nice is the new norm across educational campuses across America. Nice in boardrooms causes companies to become underperforming companies. Niceness is killing us in our seeker-sensitive churches that are promoting promoting political correctness over truth. Nice is more concerned about feeling over facts, tolerance over truth, comfort over character, ease over excellence, and empathy over effectiveness. Sometimes it's got to hurt before it can heal. Sometimes so many people are so concerned, well, they hurt my feelings. Big deal. Get over it. You can be hurt, but it doesn't mean you're injured. 
We're so concerned about not hurting anybody's feelings. Wake up. What world do you live in? This world that you live in is cruel. It's mean. And not everybody's going to just be loving to you. And in this world, there are bad, bad, bad people that have bad, bad, bad intentions. And I'll tell you what they don't need. They don't need teddy bears and flowers. They need a bullet to the head. Woo, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. These evil ISIS killers that mowed down innocent people celebrating the most just, the justest thing, the best thing, the most compassionate thing that could have been done is that guy was killed before he ever killed one innocent person. If it's either them or me, I want it to be them. Now, let me tell you something. Like, I can't believe a pastor is saying this. I can't either. My job is to pray for you. The military's job is to kill bad guys. <gasps> well, if we just talk nice to people and, and have enough Facebook likes and enough teddy bears and flowers, we can just love the world into submission. What world do you live in, darling? Thank God, thank God, our brave men that fought during World War II to destroy Hitler and Nazism they didn't go over there with teddy bears and flowers and Facebook likes. They went over there with guns and bayonets and bullets and bombs, and that's how you stop evil from spreading. I know this is not popular. I know you won't go to your average church and hear this, but here's what God's Word says in Romans chapter 13. Read it. Please read it for yourself. Men and women that serve in the military, men and women that serve in law enforcement, they are ministers of God. I'm not saying that. God said that. They're ministers, read it for yourself, ministers of God. They do not bear the sword in vain. You've got people in some parts of our country saying we should disarm police officers. I don't want to live in a city that disarms police officers. No, sir, no way, no thank you. I want armed men and women in blue defending me from the bad guys that have bad, and, and some bad girls too, that have bad intentions in our world. And here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Read it for yourself, Romans chapter 13. They do not bear the sword in vain. They're there, they're there. Not to hand out teddy bears and flowers. They're there to execute wrath on evildoers. How many know there are some evildoers in our world? There are some evildoers and the only thing that will help them is an early appointment to meet their maker. I, I just can't believe you would say something like that, Pastor. You're supposed, to you're supposed to be loving. I am loving. I'm loving to the innocent children the innocent women that are being raped across the world right now by ISIS. I want to be compassionate to the little girls that are being stolen away from their parents. Their fathers are being killed. Their brothers are being recruited to fight in this crazy jihadist army that's spreading around the world. I want to be compassionate to those little boys. I want to be compassionate to those little girls that are being sold in sex slavery. And I know the only thing that will stop them is with the strong arm of the wrath of God. God, bringing justice and bringing judgment to the evildoers. So if you serve in the military, God bless you. If you serve in law enforcement, God bless you. 
And I know there are some bad apples I know in my industry called the ministry. There are some bad preachers that have bad motives that do bad things, but eventually God will expose them and God will judge them. I want you to know there are some bad people in the military. There are some bad people in the, in the police force. There are some bad people in politics. There are some bad people in churches. But I want you to know the good people far outweigh the bad people, and they need our prayers, and they need our support. In Jesus' name. Praise God. To, to God be the glory. 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 God, give us courage once again. Give us boldness once again. Give us the desire to fight the good fight of faith once again, Lord. God, deliver us from the cult of niceness in Jesus' name. Now sit down because I'm not done. <laughs> in verse 24, once again, Simon said, pray to the Lord for me. That's not what Peter said. Peter said, you pray. Simon said, no, no, you pray for me. So Peter's like, no, I didn't, I'm not going to pray for you. Now, there's nothing wrong in asking for prayer. There's nothing wrong in asking for people to pray for you. Please don't misunderstand me. But there are sometimes you got to pray through yourself. There's, there are times in life the spiritual victory can't be handed to you through, through your mom, through your dad, through your brother, through your sister, through your pastor, through your friend, or through your church. There are times you need to pray through. That's an old-fashioned term. There are times you just need to lock yourself away in your prayer closet and you need to pray, you need to fast because Jesus, some, this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Sometimes we just need to learn how to pray through to the victory and we can experience the victory. We always want somebody else to do it for us. We're always looking for the shortcut. Simon was looking for the shortcut. He was looking for someone else to do it for him. But I believe Peter was saying, you got to take responsibility for your own soul. And at the end of the day, my friend, all of us have to take responsibility for our own spiritual well-being and for our own soul. And there are some victories in life that can only be won by you seeking God, by you and me renting our heart before him and repenting of our sin. We, we had a guy that came over to our house this past week because we were going we're gonna to do some uh, uh, up, upgrading in, in our home. And so this guy came to give my wife a bid. And so uh, he knocked on the door, I opened it up, good-looking, strong, muscular guy, and he introduced him. He was very kind, very nice, walked in. Come to find out he's a Christian. He went in the kitchen, and he and my wife were talking, and I was in the, 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 live, the, the living room. Uh, I was working on my sermon. And uh, I like eavesdropping. Uh, don't, don't judge me for that. But uh, if I ever see you in a restaurant and you're, you're, you're like, oh, pastor doesn't hear us, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hear you. Because I just want you to know, I'm desperate for, for sermon material constantly, from week to week. And some of the best sermons I can ever preach is listening to other people talk. So beware. So they're talking in the kitchen, and I'm listening. And uh, he's talking about, he goes, I know who you are. I have friends that go to Trinity. I've never been to Trinity. I go to another church in town. He goes to a really good church here in town. And he says, you know, I've tried some other churches here in town. And, 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 I, and I, I got, he goes, and here's what he said. I'm, I'm quoting him. He says, I need to go to a church that tells me I'm a sinner on my way to hell. And then the very next thing came out of my wife's mouth was this. You should come hear Carl. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean by that? I love people. I love you. Yeah. I love preaching, right? Now, I know what she meant. If you come to Trinity, you're going to get the truth. You may not like it initially, but I tell you what, we're not a politically correct church, but we strive by God's grace and mercy to be a biblically correct church. Amen? A biblically correct church. All right. 
we got to end here. Verse 25, here's how it ends. Here's how it ends, this, this section of, of our study for today. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. You know what, that touches my heart because they preached to a village that preached to a village that preached to a village that preached to a town that preached to a town that preached to a town that preached to a city that preached to a city that preached to a city that preached to a country that preached to a country that preached to a nation that preached to a nation that eventually preached to somebody that preached to somebody that preached to somebody that got all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico and preached to me and I heard the message of Jesus Christ and it changed my life. It changed my life and it's still changing my life. Power, the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed. There's nothing as powerful as that in all of the world. And I hope all the bad guys in the world, God will always first offer them grace. And I hope they take it. Jesus is the only way. It's Jesus or nothing. No one comes close to Jesus. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not Hare Krishna. It's not any other. It's Jesus. He is Lord. He is Savior. And he is the soon coming king. And he died on the cross for the whole world. For as many as would believe, let him come and drink freely of the waters of life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we humbly come before you today. And our prayer needs to be, please, my friend, make this your prayer. Lord, what would you have me do with this message? Lord, what's the Holy Spirit saying to me through this story in the Bible today? Now, God, give grace, give comfort, give peace, give hope, and give your power without money and without price to those that need a divine touch today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Christ, you can, as your personal Lord and Savior, you could know his love, grace, and forgiveness. Just pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. Say it with your own mouth. Mean it from your own heart. And those of you that need to rededicate your life to Christ, say this prayer. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?